0: Everyone deserves to be connected. That's why Cox offers a range of high-speed internet plans that fit any budget. Stream, chat, and stay connected at an incredible price. It's fast, reliable internet for everyone. You're probably thinking, wait,
1: what? But yeah, it's true. Learn more at cox.com ACP. Non-transferable one per household. Application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Other restrictions apply.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet?
1: The masses. Headline
2: edition
1: July 8th, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army.
2: If the game is rigged, change the game. Game
0: changer. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world.
2: This is Fade to Black with your host, Jimmy Church, on the Game Changer Radio Network.
0: All right. Good evening, Fade to Black. I'm your host, Jimmy Church. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. Let's do this, man. Tonight's going to be a great show. We have Matteo Palomari with us. We're going to be talking about plant medicines and shamans. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great show and I want to remind everybody help support us. Get yourself a faded black t-shirt. The links are below two ways to get them order t-shirt, get a game changer membership and help support the team here. The links are below and over on our website and of course, throughout social media. Um, we are, uh, 12 hours. Just 12 hours away from the House uh, hearing tomorrow on UFOs. And uh, the first time anything like this has gone down. And before um, people jumped and say, wait, wait, this has been done before. We've had two hearings and there was another one back in the 60s. Eh, It's not the case. Uh, The one back in the 60s was uh, against the subject. This is a different uh, tone altogether that's going down tomorrow. Uh, The first hearing uh, of the latest ones that we had with Andre Carson uh, almost got there. It tried to get there. Um, It was great that it happened. Uh, The next hearing, which was six months ago, which was Arrow five months ago, four months ago, with uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, that was a budget hearing and uh, wasn't uh, ET related. But but tomorrow is a UFO hearing, and so I will remind everybody that we will be broadcasting live tomorrow morning, starting at six forty-five. I think the hearing starts at uh, seven or the six forty-five is what was sent out in the press release. We go live at uh, six forty-five. Chat room will be there. Christina Gomez and myself. <laughs> Coffee at the ready. Uh, it's all going down in twelve hours, and and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see where we are. I've got a very 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 busy day tomorrow. Uh, I've got four shows to do. Uh, I'm guesting on two other shows, um, and it's it's just going to be a very busy day. Okay, but anyway. I'll see everybody in twelve hours tonight. Matthew Matteo Palomari is with us. I don't know if it's Palomari or Palomari, and and I'm going to get corrected as soon as I bring Matteo in. And tonight we're going to be talking about a broad range of subjects around plant medicines, including shamanisms, uh, shaman is <laughs> shamans and visionary experiences uh, and uh, consciousness and uh, altered states of consciousness, of course. Um, He has 18 books in print in multiple genres. He has taught a fantastic fiction workshop at Southern California Writers' Conference and the Santa Barbara Writers' Conference for 35 years. I would like to welcome, for the first time to Fade to Black, Mateo, Palomari. Now, now, Mateo, is it, is it Palomari? Palomari.
2: Any Palomari is a Palomine.
0: <laughs> yeah. hmm. All right. Hey, listen, welcome to the show. Um, this is going to be a great conversation tonight. Um, but before we get started, you get the first-time guest disclaimer. So wow. let's, get, let's get that out of the way. Which, Mateo, it's just you and I sitting on my couch having a conversation as friends and where that conversation starts, it starts. Where it ends, it ends. But we end as friends. There you go. You ready? Accept?
2: All good in the hood, and thank you so much for having me on. Much appreciated, Jimmy.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great conversation. And um, you and I, uh, and we were talking earlier, uh, kind of running the same circles. That's one thing. too. we we're about the same age. And so we have gone through... Uh, Different, you know, the 60s, the 70s, the Mm -hmm. 80s, and lots of uh, experimentation, um, not only with uh, different things uh, in the counterculture, whatever you want to call it, um, but music, musically, artistically, uh, style-wise, clothing, um, it's hard to believe that uh, in 1969 we had Woodstock and Jimi Hendrix, and then five years later, we had disco. You know, the transition. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the transitions. uh, But but we have uh, uh, shared experiences, right? We've experienced things. Uh, Today, I think there is kind of a renaissance um, in this area of things. I would have never guessed um, that... Pot would be legal in in mm-hmm. almost every state now um, here in los angeles uh, you're in San Diego, so you know what it's like where we have more pot shops than Starbucks. I think we have more yep. pot shops than Starbucks and McDonald's combined in l a county I think that's the latest number uh, <laughs> that I read which who who would have thought we would ever be here but uh, but nonetheless. Um, the question normally would be at this point is, how, how did this, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to ask that question because we're the same age and we went through the same things. It's, it, it, it was just uh, something, that, was it an author? Uh, was there something that pointed you in the direction directly at plant medicines? What took you uh, that way?
2: Well, the biggest, among other things, the biggest influence was Terrence McKenna. I don't know if you ever heard of Terrence McKenna or if your listeners have heard of Terrence. We
0: all have, absolutely.
2: All right. Terrence was a friend of mine. And um, I, I had done lots of things and I took a break. I, I was a vegetarian for 23 years. I went totally baseline for 13 years without doing anything. I wouldn't even take an aspirin or drink coffee or anything. And then I read... Uh, he did a book called Food of the Gods, and um, it changed my life. It became, because I, I thought to myself, psychedelics and altered states and tripping and spirituality? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And uh, and Terrence actually coined the term the Archaic Revival, and um, I found out, through a, a series of wonderful misadventures that they were having these, uh, they were called entheobotany seminars and they were at the Maya ruins. Uh, well, the first one I went to was in San Francisco in 96. And then I went to the Maya ruins in Ushmal and then uh, 99, 2000, 2001 were in the Maya ruins of Palenque Chiapas. And um, Paul Stamets was there. I don't know if you ever heard of Sasha Anne and Sasha Shogan, mm-hmm. uh, the Shoguns were there. Uh, Jonathan Ott, uh, a bunch of people. Uh, Wade Davis spoke at one point, and uh, it was a week long. And um, also Christian Reich, he recently passed away. Um, he was Germany's leading expert in shamanism, and it was all day. So it would be, you know, there would be a a, bi- a big lecture in the morning, a lecture in the afternoon, and one in the evening. And aside from all the shamanism and the visionary experience and the plants and all that, a number of uh, chemists came. And they would bring samples of their latest works. And they were all uh, acolytes of Sasha Shogan. And uh, Sasha used to get up there and he would draw pictures of like he'd draw a, a DMT molecule and he would say, these are my dirty pictures. And then he would draw all these different compounds and all of his uh, followers and all of his protégés would bring their things that they had been working on. So there was a lot of uh, unofficial sampling that was going on. Right. So it was a very, very broad experience. But when I realized that there was a connection between spirituality and altered states, which I've always been a huge fan of, um, things started to really click. And through a series of events, I got myself invited to go down to the jungle in the Peruvian Amazon and do shamanic plant diets, extended shamanic plant diets, very strict uh, for 10 days. And not only with ayahuasca, but with a number of other plants. And um, I've been doing that for 25 years. I've done 13 10-day extended shamanic plant diets in the jungle. I spent time with the tribes. I've been throughout the Andes working with the plants up there and shamans up there and i've traveled all around uh and it all ties back into shamanism and well, shamanism has been a, a passion of mine and
0: and and i i i kind of want to stop right there for a second uh, and 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 discuss shamanism i have uh i have met a few well, more than a few uh but uh, let's uh um i'm going to use a politically incorrect term, okay? Mm. But I, I don't have a better way to put it. I need the audience to understand what I'm trying to say, okay? Sure. I have met Caucasian, North American shamans, right? <laughs> okay? Yeah. And And now, I'm not saying that that is wrong, but when I talk to somebody that looks like me that wants to say that they are a shaman and they have maybe they, they they are that's not what i'm saying but what i am saying is there is a difference there has to be a difference from a ceremony done in the mojave desert right mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, a ceremony that is done in the andes with a uh, uh, a native shaman from the yep. area am i wrong with having this this um this i i, I don't want to be politically incorrect here i'm okay. got to say uh, more pc but am i am i wrong Am I being am I being too critical on this, or am I right?
2: I think you're right. You're in line with me. Um, I don't. People have called me that. I don't like it. I don't like to be called that. And then I'd I'd make a big stink about it. And then of course I would make too much of a stink about it. Then I'm drawing too much attention to it. So now you can call me whatever you want. But there's a thing going on. Um, it's a it's a pet peeve of mine. I, I call it guruitis. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, and and I tell people if somebody tells you they're a shaman you better run the other way. Yeah. And you know I've done lectures I've done lectures to to big audiences about shamanism. In fact on my website it says author editor shamanic explorer. I, I'm okay with shamanic explorer but don't call me that name. I, I would do a lecture right. And then some cute little 22-year-old hottie would run up to me. Oh, yes, my boyfriend's a shaman. Here's his business card, right? And I'm like, ah.
0: Yeah, right, right. That's so what I'm talking I, about. That's, I hate that's that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Guruism. I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I like that word. I like that word. I'm going to use it. It's considered stolen, Mateo. It's
2: no, I, hey, I'm a writer, bro. You got to steal whatever you want. I stole most of it. <laughs> it's completely here.
0: stolen. Um, but uh I'm going to be in uh Peru uh this year. I'm going mm. to be there for 3 weeks. Now, I'm not going down for ceremony. I'm I'm going down to right. lead a tour and we're going to oh. we're going to go to Nazca, we're going to go to Puma Punku and Tiwanaku, you know, we're going to do all those things that we're going to go to Cusco. I'm I'm very excited uh, about Mm. looking at uh, all of the megalithic and ancient sites down there and and learning what I can. Um, But uh, I can't wait to just hang out with the people of Peru. just, they've got a, they've got a different way of, uh, of looking at the world.
2: They are my family. They are my brothers and sisters. Um, they have a lot of respect for me because I've I've taken everything they can dish out, and um, you know total time, combined time, I probably have seven, eight months total time in the jungle, and probably a couple of months total in the Andes working with the different plant medicines in both places and different traditions. And I've gotten to work with some very rare plants uh, in the jungle, and had some wild, wild experiences that have been really life changing for me, and it's turned turned everything around for the best. Um,
0: Now, um, let let me, let me ask you about that for a second. Um, Because when we talk about the, you know, ayahuasca is a recipe, right? People Mm -hmm. think that it's a, it's a singular thing. It's not. And it's a, and it is truly a ceremony that, that, that goes along with that, but it's old, and when we think about where science, uh, you know our modern science is just a few hundred years old, mm-hmm. and the ayahuasca uh, I'll just say formula recipe it goes back thousands of years. And what is it that uh, that they knew back then that these combinations, of things would allow our body and our stomach to process and, and go to another world. That's, that's, that's a level of intelligence that I I don't think we're aware of.
2: I, I always like to say, you know, I've written a number of books on this, but I always like to say that the shamans knew everything way ahead of everybody else does. And science is just starting, they're like, Oh, we've discovered this. And I'm like, duh, you guys, you're like way behind because, This stuff is literally prehistoric. and shamanism, every single religion in the world has its roots in shamanism. That's how far back it goes. It all comes from that. And you can find shamanic elements in every religion in the world, no matter what it is. And you wonder about how far back... And, and, you know, when you go in the jungle and everything looks the same, I mean, it's all green, there's plants everywhere. And I've been on uh, plant... Uh, you know they take us around on plant plant tours and explain the plants that we're working with and here's where they grow and here's what they look like and here's a part of the plant that you use and all of those things and how do they know that and it and it goes back so far that it gets back into mythology there's a number of uh, myths uh, about how you know how it came to be but they have this very very extensive knowledge and there's things that they know about physiology and in fact one of the reasons I ended up uh, not being a vegetarian anymore. After, after 23 years, I said to myself, if I'm gonna go in and do this shamanic plant diet, I wanna do it the way that they do it. I'm not gonna cheat. You know, if I gotta eat chicken and fish, I wanna do it right. And so I did, and it changed my whole perception of consciousness and plants and animals. And who says that necessarily that a plant's uh, not as intelligent as a human? In fact, there's schools of thought that say maybe the plants are cultivating us. <laughs> I mean, they were here before us, right?
0: Yeah, when and we get, feed
2: them and they feed us, there's that whole symbiotic relationship that we have with them. You know, we we um, we breathe out carbon dioxide; they breathe it in. They give us oxygen, and they had to be here before us, So we wouldn't be able to exist.
0: You get lost so, in the woods; it's not by accident.
2: <laughs> no, no. What's that Tolkien quote there? Not all who wander are lost.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, uh, do you? Uh, uh, what's the definition for you of, of what shaman? What a shaman is? What is that definition? So
2: there, there are a number of definitions of shamanism, but but one of them is a bridge because a shaman can go to um, other realities and uh, do like what they refer to as soul retrieval and go find things out and bring it back to other people who don't have that experience. They're also considered to be wounded healers. So when they work and they discover their own inner wounds and figure it out for themselves, that gives them the ability to heal other people. So there, there's a, a number of things that that, uh, that go on with it. But there were, there were the, shamans were the first doctors, performance artists, musicians, uh, storytellers, uh, healers, Uh, teachers, they were the first and they, and they go way back. And in the end, ultimately the biggest part of it, particularly with ayahuasca is doing shadow work. And I can elaborate on that a little bit if you'd like, but um, I I had mentioned, you and I were talking earlier about uh, Ann and Sasha Shogun. They both, Ann just recently passed away. She's a great psychologist and they were a wonderful, wonderful pair and she's the one that directed me toward doing shadow work. And, and in the end, the ultimate work with ayahuasca is shadow work, unco- uncovering what's buried inside of us. And, again, I can elaborate on that if, if you want. No,
0: I would love to hear more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Yeah, continue, continue.
2: Okay, thank you. And just interrupt me, because once you hit my arm button, bro, I'll just keep going.
0: <laughs> hey, man, you're the guest. I'm just a dude on a microphone. There you go.
2: You're an enabler. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, that's all, That's exactly right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, sh- shadow work. Well, okay. Uh, uh, I, let's circle back to shadow work for a second. Sure. Um, do you, is there a possibility something had to come first here? right so you have the other world other dimension whatever it is other plane whatever definition you want to put and and you need to get to there and then mm-hmm. you have the vehicle to get you there which is the the brew right and the ceremony mm-hmm. but you have to get those instructions so do you feel is it possible that the instructions came from out there and whatever out there is and that it was you know is channeled the right word? was it spoken from the clouds in the heavens? you know I mean it, it something had to happen first.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, first off, I want to say it's 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 not another world or, or another dimension. it's multiple dimensions and multiple worlds and multiple beings. There's a concept, and bring me back to the shadow in a minute, but there's a concept of resonance. So the concept of resonance is if a radio station is transmitting at a particular frequency and you tune your tuner to that same frequency, you pick up the signal and you hear what's being transmitted because you're at that same frequency. Right. That's the carrier frequency. So with ayahuasca, when you're doing a ceremony within a group of people, you get into a frequency that's shared. And one of the, the, the things that fascinated me, when, and I researched it for 10 years before I found it, um, there was an Englishman by the name of Richard Spruce, I think it was 1865, who was one of the first Westerners to find it, and he called the active component telepathine. And when I heard that, and then I heard that ayahuasca was called the vine of the soul and the vine of death, I was like, I got to try that stuff. And I was going for it. So you get into this frequency that's shared. And the plants and the animals share those frequencies. Now, in the jungle, they'll say it's the spirits of the plants. But you can also use the word energy. Energy and spirits really the same thing. In shamanism, everything is energy. So if I suddenly got angry, you could say, oh, well, he was possessed by the spirit of anger, right? Or I was loving somebody. I was, you know, I was in rapture and love and in the spirit of love, but it happens to do with a particular kind of energy. So when you drink ayahuasca, you share this energy with plants and different animals. And, and there are, it's interesting because whether you're in the jungle in Peru or you're in New York City, people will still have experiences with jaguars and snakes. Right. Um, and condors and things of the jungle. So there's an agreed upon psychological landscape. And when you do this work over a period of time, and for me, I've been at it particularly with ayahuasca for 25 years now. When you do it, you start to visit. There's the crystal castles, and the, and there's all the stuff um, related to it. And there's, and there's jaguars, and, and you can have um, different animals can come to you in a, in a state of voluntary possession. And you, your, your, your legs can flap like you're a bird, and you start having visions like a bird. Um, for me, I've experienced condor and now mostly hummingbirds. Um, in in Peru, it's picaflora. Picar is bite and flora's flower, or bite or sting flower, it's picaflora. And there's whole mythologies around that. So you share that energy. You can also have a vision. And so when, when we do the ceremonies, in the morning we do an integration and we all talk about our experience. And more often than not, somebody could be sitting there talking about their experience, and you suddenly realize they're talking about the same experience that you had. So it's a shared state, and, there's a, and it's because you are sharing that same vibration. And vibration is frequency, and it's energy, and it's resonance. And as I mentioned, everything in shamanism is energy.
0: It sounds like um, you, you sound like a physicist. And, oh yeah, and 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 there is going to be. I mean, if you read, and I'm sure you do, but if you read any any book on physics, it doesn't matter if it's from the 50s, 60s, or something that was published last week, the, the same words are used over and over again, and there, man, things, are, things may merge, wouldn't science benefit from if you really want to try to figure out a parallel world or the 11th dimension, <laughs> there, there may be a way to get there and you could go and experience it for yourself.
2: That's a great point, bro. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going off on a little tangent, but I think it's, it's worthwhile here. Uh, quantum physics is just starting to, to figure things out. One of my most recent books is called holographic cosmic man. And it starts with quantum physics and gets into that, into shamanism, into the connection of the world and the cosmos and all of that. Now, the difference, now this is the difference. And by the way, everything I'm telling you is, is the truth in my universe. It doesn't have to be in anybody else's. I, I consider what I write and what I say as an offering. People could take it or leave it. I don't care. I'm not here to prove or convert anybody. None of that. But the difference between religion and spirituality is that religion is based on the words of prophets. So, um, Muhammad went in the cave, Buddha, uh, Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree, and Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted. I, I've, I've upset a few Christians over the years, because I'll tell them, if you go into the desert and you fast for 40 days and 40 nights, I guarantee you, you'll be talking to God too. Because you're pushing yourself. So, so you know, uh, Jesus spoke in parables. The whole Bible is, what is the Bible? The Bible is a whole bunch of stories. Buddha told stories, Muhammad, they're, they're all storytellers, right? The shamans go, well, that's great. But uh, just using the Bible as an example, because that's the the easiest part for me, you know, because of my, my background uh, growing up and all that. But... Um, Jesus Jesus, or whoever, anybody had the experience. Somebody writes about it. Somebody else translated. Another person translated. It gets put into another language. King James comes along and tweaks it to what he wants. And by the time it gets down to us 2,000 whatever years later, it's been diluted a gazillion times from the original thing. Shamanism says, the heck with all that. Have the experience yourself. Shamanism is based on direct experience And when you get to the bottom line of it all That's all we really have Any of us You can do all the science in the world you want All we really ever have Is direct experience And as a matter of fact In quantum physics The very act of observing the particle to the wave Is altered by the person perceiving it
0: All you gotta do See, that's that's, that's the part of physics Where it becomes hypocritical Where a physicist doesn't can't be spiritual, a physicist can't discuss consciousness, a physicist can't do and can't do can't do. But if you look at something, you can make a change. It's like, wait a minute, you can't have it both ways, right? Right? Now, I I I believe that the double split experiment. Um, is is a real thing? It's about observation mm-hmm. and, and changing uh, a particle and, and changing the state of matter itself, right? Okay, so, yeah. um, but if if you are going to say that, then why don't you go to Peru, hang out with a shaman, and go see the parallel world that you're trying to write the math about? Which is what Terrence McKenna. Uh, did for so many years, and his work on the I Ching, oh, man, you know? So uh, I think any of those rock star physicists out there, and there's a lot of them, man, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of them, atheists, pragmatic, black and white, don't believe in anything, and it's just a numbers game. We need them, and we need their work, right? But they would talk a different game after they hang out with the Jaguar.
2: You bet there you go. <laughs> so one of my more recent books, it's very popular, is called The Center of the Universe is right between your eyes, but home is where the heart is. And it has to do with one of my favorite terms, which I stole somewhere. It's called radical subjectivity. Because in the end, it's a subjective experience. You, you can see a person coming down the street and you can think they're going to mug me, they're going to shoot me, they're gay, they're this, they're that, whatever it is, right? And it's all in your mind because you don't really know who that person is. So it's radical subjectivity. And shamanism is about radical radical subjectivity because we we take all these things in with our perceptions and our senses and how we put them together is unique to us as individuals, whether, whether we come from the ghetto or whether we're a privileged person, you know, a fortunate son, right? Uh... It's all a matter of perspective. So when you start to realize that and you realize that in the end, radical subjectivity is where it's at and it's how you define it, it changes everything and you become more flexible and you're not so rigid in your thinking because science in the end always falls short. And in the shamanic work, particularly with ayahuasca, the journey is from the head to the heart. And in my case, personally, I I grew up in a tough background. Um, I didn't have any feminine at all. I was a hard guy, you know, street fighter, blah, blah, all that stuff, right? And then um, once I started working with the ayahuasca and my heart opened up, I went through this period for a couple of years of being extremely. I was bawling my eyes out at almost anything. And what happened after that is my intuition went, and everything changed. And I became a, uh, I like to think I became a better human. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, uh, I lost the violence. So um, there's also um, an old uh, legend called the prophecy of the eagle and the condor. And it says that in the old times, the eagle and the condor flew in the sky together and other forces spread them apart and now, in these times, the eagle and the condor are flying together again. And as a matter of fact, a very good friend of mine, Tito La Rosa, um, got, a, uh, he got a Grammy. He did an album called The Prophecy of the Eagle and the Condor with Mary Youngblood, who's a Native American flautist. And the condor is the sacred bird of the South, and it's representative of the, of the heart and love. And in many respects, the eagle is representative of sort of the intellect, and they've been separated. And the whole Western divide and conquer uh, mentality, it just keeps splitting things down and down and down. And when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, like into quantum physics, like we're talking about, it's a subjective thing. So you you have to be open and flexible. And one of the things that uh, ayahuasca does and other plants and experiences too, is to open you up to those possibilities. And you begin to realize over time that in the end, all we really have is the moment you can't you know, if you're living in the past and you're worried that this guy's gonna pull a gun on me, right? And then you're worried about well, then you're worried about the future, you're not present. You're 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 back there, you're you're you know, you're up front, and, and none of that has any reality except in your mind. So you learn to become more flexible w- with your consciousness and you start to learn how to be open to things. And when you're more present, and, and this is also the definition of mindfulness, which is a Buddhist concept. Of being present in the moment and if you're really present in the moment you're not going to miss the nuances that you might miss out on if you're worried about this or you're worried about that you know you're not you're not here and you're not now um i did tell you i was going to talk about shadows <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah to that. I, I
0: was just gonna uh, uh, bring that up because th- th- you cannot if you do If you go through the processes with, uh, you know, you go to Peru and, you know, uh, the the right teacher, the right shaman, and and the right ceremony, and the right thing, there, you cannot, at at some point, the questions and the look at self is now out of your control, right? There's no way that you cannot not look at yourself, right?
2: That's the thing. It forces you to face all the things that we spent all of our lives running from. Whether you're addicted to cocaine, or you're an alcoholic, or you're a sex addict, all of those things are escapes because everybody's afraid of looking at themselves. And what happens is the uh, our our. I always like to tell people, I'm a cast of thousands, okay? And our sub personalities have all we've we created them, and. We created them as uh, coping devices because when you're you're young and you're small, even going all the way back to birth and possibly even beyond that, you have these traumas and you don't know how to act because at that point in your life, it's unprecedented. And And then as you grow as a toddler and you get older, you look around at your parents and your brothers and sisters and the kids around you and all that. And of course, they're carrying strategies that go back generations and generations and generations, you know? So you get to the point where you have the realization that the buck stops here, and you got to face the music and, and, and quit running. But your, your ego or egos, your, your sub-personalities, um, they, recognize, they recognize themselves in somebody else, in the other, you know, the other person, and they project it onto them so they don't get found out because it's a protective strategy. And they're uh, very, very cunning, and often can bring people to suicide.
0: It's a mask.
2: Yes, yeah, a mask. I'll, I couldn't have said it any better, brother. It's it's a mask, or or like masks. You can go through, in in a minute, you can go through sixty different personalities in a moment. You know, I'm 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 hungry. I'm horny. I'm mad. I'm this. I'm that. I'm happy. This is my favorite song, right? And all these different aspects. And if you think about it. People, just just as an example, a guy can get up in the morning and be there and having breakfast with his kid and he's a loving dad, and then he can get in his car and he can be a total road rage idiot, right? And then he can get to work and he can be cowering because he's afraid of what his boss is going to do to him, right? And and, and we all shift through all these personalities. So the idea, the concept, and this is hard work and this is not for everybody, but the concept is to what I always like to say, and you'll appreciate this because you're a musician too, is to get the band all singing the same tune. Right. You want to get the band singing the same tune. So these things that happen to us, if they're unacceptable, we we repress them and they become shadow and we deny them. And they're trying to help us out. So they're upset and they're trying to get our attention. And not all shadow is bad. The example I always love to use is what if you're like two years old and you suddenly are inspired artistically and you get your crayons out and you cover the wall with crayons, right? And then you get you get a beating, and you get sent to your room, and you don't get dessert or you don't get dinner and all that. But that was it was an artistic impulse. So you could be repressed for the rest of your life as an artist because you got beaten for an artistic expression because it wasn't understood at the time the way it happened. But that can be repressed. So other things can be repressed, and they're the parts of us we have instincts. We're you know we're, we're mammals. You know you can see a babe and you want to jump her bones, right? You're like, oh man. But of course, if, if you if you were to let that urge just go out of control, you're going to end up in prison and you're going to hurt people. It's unacceptable. But it doesn't deny the urge that's there. She's a babe and she's looking good, right? So there are all these different aspects of who we are that we deny. And for me, growing up where I did, I grew up in Dorchester in Boston, where Marky Mark Wahlberg is from, mm-hmm. um, you know, tough neighborhood, blue collar, blah, blah, blah. I had to be a tough guy. I was one of the littlest kids. I had a fight, you know, at a young age. And so my femininity was gone. And then I went through this period, well, oh gosh, if, I, if I'm feminine, does that mean I'm gay? And all this crap, right? And it, was, and it was all crap. You can be a sensitive person and still be a tough guy. You can still be a loving person with an open heart and, and all of those things. So it's a matter of undoing the damage that's been done. And this goes um, all the way back to birth. We all, have, we all come into the world with an abandonment wound, so there, there's, I don't know if you ever heard of Stanislaus Grof. Um, he's still alive. He originally did some research with LSD back in like the late 40s. And um, he's developed a method called holotropic breathing. But very very quickly and basically, he developed what he calls the perinatal matrices. The first perinatal matrix, you are in the womb, you're expansive, you're at one with mom, all your needs are met, everything is loving and beautiful and expansive and you're growing That's number one. And then all of a sudden, your world collapses, and your environment is polluted with hormones and all these things, and suddenly your expansiveness collapses. That's two. The third one, you get jammed into the birth canal, which is even worse. And then, of course, the fourth one, you get spit out of the world, and the first thing that happens is you get smacked on the butt, right? And all these lights and everything like that and all of the traumas that we have and all of the uh, subpersonalities are built on that they built and it gets layers and layers and layers like like the layers the proverbial layers of the onion and they get built on and we don't remember when those things were happening to us at that young point of our existence we can't articulate things we don't. we're just experiencing that directly so we come into the world with an abandonment wound and we all have this belief inside of us that we don't that we're not worthy of being loved. And of course, you know, in, in my case, my own man went to prison when I was young. So there was abandonment. Other people, maybe their dad's working all the time. Maybe, maybe the mother's an alcoholic and she's just not present for we all have them in different ways. So the idea is to come come back. And in the end, it comes down to one one as Frank Zappa would say, this is the crux of the biscuit in the end it's uh, fear is contraction and love is expansion that's really it down down to down to the to the nitty-gritty of it
0: best frank Zapp album you got 2 seconds
2: Oh gosh, Proxy and Elsewhere, because Ansley yeah, was yeah, on it, and yeah. I love this drum solo. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a your booty uh, kind of guy, but oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, live in New York uh, is is great too. Overnight sensations. We could just go on and on. Oh, yeah. Zoot allures, right? It's just. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm a big Zappa guy. Um, but yeah. I like I like I like the later era too. The Joe's Garage. Oh yeah. Uh, era, uh, uh, you know, with you know, Steve Vai and uh, Adrian Ballou, uh mm-hmm. in, the, in the the, the um, uh, 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 Terry Basio, You know that was. Oh, yeah. That was a really good band, but but the George Duke era, man, uh, you just can't you can't top that. You, you can't. That, that's them. like
2: it's like Emerson, like and Palmer. It's like super technical, precise. You know, wow, how do you do those riffs, right?
0: That was the other day. I was driving and uh, I hadn't heard this in years, and it it's just uh, Apple Play, right? But Apple knows what I like. You know, it's the mm-hmm. the Ghost in the Machine, right? Um and Black Napkins pops up. Black napkins. And it's a just a Frank Zappa guitar solo from like live in New York or live at the Ritz or something. And but I haven't heard that in it was been like 30, 40, what is this? You know, years popping yeah. up on my radio like that and I listened to it four times back to back. just kept hitting rewind um now uh the the other part about this and you touched upon this earlier that somebody in Cusco and somebody mm. in New York is going to have the same visits from the condors and the jaguars and and the crystal cat what what is going on there i have read the only the only explanation is they are visiting this world the same world they are going mm-hmm. somewhere and having these same experiences mm-hmm. is that the only explanation
1: for, for
2: me and i i think i kind of stole this a little bit from Terrence McKenna um it gets back to the analogy when I was talking about resonance and our mind is like a radio. So if you change the frequency and you change, you know, you change, you move the dial, you can go to a different station. So when you, when you drink ayahuasca or if you eat mushrooms or you LSD, you know, all these mind altering substances, you are changing the way your mind is functioning you're changing, you're altering your perception. It's why it's called altered states, because you're changing how you perceive things and you're, you're changing how you interpret things. And um, it, it's been uh, scientifically proven that taking mushrooms at low doses improves your edge perception. So if you think about competing with other animals and things like that for game and you're out hunting and you take a little mushrooms and your edge perception is better and you're more aware of what's kind of going on around you, it's an enhancement. And there's a lot of, um, circumstantial evidence that one of the reasons why the Maya civilization flourished so much is because they did, they worked with mushrooms. They called it Tionan Kapal, which is a flesh of the gods. Um, so, one of the things about shamanism, ayahuasca and shamanism overall is when you continue to alter your perception all the time, you're learning how to navigate. You're learning how to navigate states of consciousness that aren't normal. So in our in our life, in our Western thought, we have sleeping, we have waking, we have dreaming, we have visionary experience, and there are all these different things. But in indigenous cultures, there's no difference. It's just degrees along a spectrum. So dreaming, and in, in, in all my experience now, my dreams and my visions and my day-to-day life have all blended into each other. And th- this came about from the uh, all the shamanic dietas that I have done. And so my life is very magical in a lot of different ways. And whether it's a dream or not, Um, I went through some hardcore trauma 10 or 15 years ago. Um, I won't get into the dirty details. It's in some of my books. But I I got to a point where I I thought I might even like off myself. And then I thought, you know what? You've been through worse with this with ayahuasca. You can handle this. And I did. And I came through with flying colors and it felt really good. So when you, in some respects, I think about it, when you go in and do this in the jungle like that, in some respects, you're inviting madness to yourself. But you're doing it on your terms. It's not mugging you. You know, life can do weird things to you. You're you're like, bring it. What mm-hmm. do you got? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then of course you get your butt kicked.
0: Right. Well, it's it's see that's that's part of now. I haven't done it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, DMT, ayahuasca. Um, uh, the rest of my life is, is, is clean. I don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but there, the moment when, 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 you know, everything lines up, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for it and I'm going to check it out. But here's the thing, do you go into it with the idea of control? Or man, is this is this all wheels off and and no matter what your intention is at the beginning and whatever you think you are in control of, um, then then you know you know what I mean. It's it it mm-hmm. it, it takes control. Am I it's, right? It is there you're,
2: you're In between all of your words, you're right. And what I mean by that is. The best analogy that I have heard is a dance. And in archetypes, uh, ayahuasca is considered to be the dark feminine. And, um, you know, the initial experience and some of the experiences you have are so totally alien and bizarre and just incomprehensible. And there's a reason for that, which I can touch on in a minute. But um, they, they, they overwhelm you. Now, if you totally surrender, if you fight it, you'll get your butt kicked, but if you roll with it and say, okay, you can kick my butt, but I'm going to pay attention, and if you don't try too much to figure it out um, while it's happening, because it's happening too fast and furious, and I'm going to explain that in just a second, uh, you will get into deeper trouble, so people are generally either intellectually, emotionally, or moving-centered And people who are intellectually centered, who control their life with their intellect, so to speak, have the hardest time. And I was in the jungle some years back, and I had a renowned Ph.D., and he spent his first three ceremonies curled up in my lap in a fetal position because he couldn't handle it. He didn't know. But if you learn to roll with it and go with it um, and wait... You talk about having experiences and you hear a lot now these days, there's all these integration, psychedelic integration specialists and blah, blah, blah. Well, integration is letting your your mind catch up. So generally speaking, when we function in our everyday life, we're left brain functioning. We have to drive cars. We have to do math. We have to do things, you know, logic, right, wrong, proportion. We have to figure all those things out. And the right side is generally repressed, but less so in women, which is why intuition is superior, generally speaking, superior to logic. So we, when we go to sleep at night, at some point, our left brain will take a rest and our right brain comes out to play, and that's dreaming. And dreaming is, is emotional, intuitional, conceptual. It's a completely different language. It's, it's, it's artistic, visual. Um, it has this emotional content. It's a very alien thing. And of course, when you wake up from a dream, and what the heck was that? And then you're trying to recall your dream, that's your left brain trying to make sense of the, the, the bizarre alien language that the right brain was speaking in. Now, when you drink ayahuasca, your left brain never goes to sleep, and your right brain comes out to play. And they're both on at the same time. And that can be very overwhelming and very confusing. Um, and, and you have to learn to navigate. And if you have, you should always do it, in my humble opinion, with somebody who's experienced in a contained circle, in a ceremony with the proper respect. And you have the experience and you go through it and, and you often get overwhelmed. And you can, you, can be, you can be vomiting. You can have it coming out both ends. You can go through hell. And you can go through sublime heavens, and you have to experience the light and the dark in order to really learn. You have my old—I had an old coach years ago, and she used to call them the granola eaters. And you know, oh, I just want to see the light, and I just want everybody to be light, and I just want everybody—that's crap. You can't have the light without the dark you got to have the dark with the light. And of course, the darker the dark, the lighter the light. And the lighter the light, the darker the dark. Because what are you doing is you're trying to find your way back to the center. Because the center is where it's at. And the center is the eye of the storm. And what happens in the eye of the storm? Nothing. That's true inner peace. And in my case, being a hard case, I had to go through all of those things and all that chaos in order to find my way back to the center. And it's taken all these years and I'm there. I I get tested every day. If if people knew what went on in my head, they would run like hell. Um, You know, I'm I'm, I'm a psycho inside up here, but I've learned to keep my mouth shut. And I learned to listen. And I learned which voices, when some of the little monkey mind things started acting up, I'm like, you shut up and go to your room. I don't want to hear it. Boom. You know, I do it in a loving way, but I keep myself centered because you're looking to, you don't, most people respond either intellectually and then maybe emotionally, right? Uh, intellectually, emotionally, and then moving. Or they might be the other way around, moving, and then intellectual. Somebody might make me mad, and I'd punch them, and then I'd feel bad about it and get emotional, and then I'd think about it. Everybody responds in a different order, usually with one at the expense of the other two. And the idea is to train yourself to respond with all three at once. Then you're in the moment, and then you're truly aware in your present and you can fully function because you're not worried about what happened and what's going to happen and what will happen and what did happen and all those places where the monkey mind goes and right. drives you crazy. Right. The, the other thing I want to touch on, getting back to the whole shamanism thing, and the, my boyfriend's a shaman, you know, like that stuff. One of the things I've realized recently is, okay, you and I are the same age. We're We're, we're easing into our elderhood. My mentors are passing. My primary mentor passed last year. He was 90. The guys, I've worked with different traditions, and the guys that I've worked with, with the purest traditions are mestizos, which is mixed race in the jungle. They're not straight Indians. They could be Indian, black, Chinese, all of those things, right? But they're carrying this tradition forward. Now, my mentor passed away. The guys that I've worked with the most Aren't able to come up here like they used to, and they've passed the torch on to me, me and others, not just me. There are others. I'm carrying the torch, and I have all this experience now. I have 25 years of life experience with that. My psychedelic experience goes back over 50 years. You know, I was, you were probably same with me back in the early 70s with all these LSD and
0: I try not you know, to talk about. Yeah, I try not to talk about it on the show. You know, n- nothing is worse to me is there's two things that I don't want to hear about. I don't mm-hmm. want to have somebody tell me about their acid trip and mm-hmm. I don't want to have somebody tell me about their vacation. I don't want to I don't want to hear. I don't, wanna hear. I, 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 don't. So I just don't share I just it bothers me so I never share those stories. But there's yeah. a, there a bit we're going to take a break before we get okay. there then uh we'll, we'll circle back um uh-huh. after the break. What today? I think there is again. I'm not being politically correct here, okay? But I'm just going to say it like it is. There's this. Uh, there's this frat boy mentality when it comes to ayahuasca and DMT. Mm-hmm. I agree. Doing it for sport, doing yep. it, doing it for fun. Woohoo! We're going to go, you know, we're going to go ceremony. Yeah. and, and that scares me. And uh, there isn't the respect they, they have no idea. And they, you know what I mean? They think it's like mm-hmm. a kegger party and, yep. and with beer bongs and it's not. And that's yep. the part for me that I have a uh, major issues with uh, today
2: that drives me crazy that's like my biggest probably my biggest pet peeve of all right. is that i i was brought in when i first went to the jungle and i was first connected with all this stuff it was back in like 98 and i was brought into like i was mentioning a prehistoric tradition and i'm a purist and i like to stay with that and i like to do what was uh gifted to me over the years that was gifted to them I, I i was blessed to meet some of the mentors of my mentors back years back and i'm a traditionalist and i i couldn't agree with you more it it makes me crazy it really does it's a it's a big pet peeve of mine and i'm i'm down i I avoid those people um i don't want anything to do with that stuff and i and i and i feel I feel very lucky because when I started getting deeply into it, it was in, uh, especially uh, in the late nineties and the early two thousands, you know, with Terrence McKenna and other people like that, there was a lot of respect and it wasn't, um, it wasn't out of control. It was more, for lack of better words, it was kind of more esoteric. Sure. And had that respect. Sure. And, and now the, the, the cat's out of the bag. The monkeys are, the, the, the inmates are running the asylum. Right. And I agree with you, bro. It's way out of control.
0: I was on a flight. I'm not going to say where. I was on a flight. And um, behind me, um, I was in first class. Mm. But I was in the last row of first class. Right behind the curtain, right, I could hear this group of guys talking. And I'm just trying to mind my my own business. And they're going to take a connecting flight to Ecuador. I hear the whole story, right? i am (laughs) listening to them. And they're going to Ecuador. For ayahuasca, and Mm. bro, this is going to be amazing, man! I can't wait. Man, this is going to be so cool, man! We get to go back and talk. And 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 listening to them, I I was getting, I was getting like emotionally and physically sick. I was getting pissed Mm. off, and I'm picturing them, right? (laughs) Picturing them, (laughs) and then the flight, we land, and 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 I'm standing there, and the curtain opens, and I look back. Sure enough, man. Football jerseys, <laughs> Lacoste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad, man. I just lost it. I lost it. I lost it, and it, it just uh, like man. They, th- this, this is a problem. Th- this right yep. here. This is not sport. This is not fun. But, but that's nope. that's what they were going down there to do.
2: I, uh, I agree there's a I don't know if you ever heard this expression or not but there are there are young people who come from privilege who have lots of money from mummy and daddy who are running around doing these things like we're talking about here and um, they're referred to as trustafarians
0: yeah yeah trustafarians um, somebody just uh, put in the chat it might change them for the better i that was the only thing that kept me from opening my mouth because I have a very bad problem with saying what I think, right? I've got to control that. I gotta I'm constantly sucking words back in, right? <laughs> and, I can relate. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I held off. And and I was thinking to myself, I wonder as I'm getting off you know the plane, I wonder what they're gonna their faces are gonna be like on that return trip. All right? Yeah. So so maybe it, it 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 was okay, this is the universe uh, straightening out <laughs> a few situations that need to be, some screws need to be tightened. So that, that that's that was the way that I I centered myself and and got off that plane and and got got to the eye of the storm. I like the way you put that. By the way, it's pretty cool. Well, thank you. Good job, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Let's take our break right here, uh, Mateo, right. and uh, we'll be right back after this. Uh, Tonight, uh, Mateo Palomari. Anybody that's a Palomary is a friend of mine. I'll be right back. Stay with us. This is Jimmy Church of Fade to Black. Please visit all of our sponsors. We're taking a quick break here. All of the links are below. We'll be right back. Join us November 10th, 11th. 2023 as Disclosure Fest Foundation and Fade to Black Radio presents Stairway to the Stars, a human origins science and technology expo live at the Luxor Hotel and Casino on the Las Vegas Strip with live talks, lectures and workshops by world acclaimed researchers and authors. This is Jimmy Church, by the way, and I'll be your host all weekend long, featuring topics like human origins, ancient technologies, indigenous teachings, workshops, a mass meditation yoga and sound healing music and so much more don't miss our intimate sky watch and meteor shower over the infamous area 51 airspace in rachel nevada with special surprise celebrity hosts guiding us through the night also introducing our disclosure fest vr starship area with dozens of rides you've got to check it out this event will sell out for more information and tickets please visit disclosurefest.org Hi, everybody. Jimmy Church here. Very special announcement, and that is we are shipping fade to black t-shirts again. It's been almost two years. We did a full upgrade to the website, so you can head over to jimmychurchradio.com. It's all simple to do, and it's right there. Remember, We broadcast four nights a week, Monday through Thursday. We bring you the best, the brightest, the most knowledgeable and amazing guests, the best conversations. We do that four nights a week. We also do four days a week. We broadcast the news, and we do that live, too, as well. It's not a one-man show. I do it with website support. I do it with producers. I do it with writers and artists. All contribute to the show. The best way to help support what we do here is with a Fade to Black t-shirt. And you can get your Fade to Black t-shirt one of two ways. First, go to jimmychurchradio.com, order a shirt. It's really that simple. You're going to get a tracking number, it's going to get shipped, and it's going to get autographed. The second way to get a shirt is with a Game Changer membership. Now, the Game Changer membership not only includes a free t-shirt, but you get a private email to me. You get unlimited commercial-free downloads. You have full access to the website, and everything includes... Free shipping, and everything is autographed. So help support the show. Get your Fade to Black t-shirt today. The links are below. You can just go to jimmychurchradio.com, and it's right on the website. So there you go. I'm Jimmy Church, Fade to Black. I'm so excited that I just have
1: one thing to say. Go back, Lee Tappy. Hey, everybody. It's Billy Carson, also known as Forbidden Knowledge. I want to talk to you about a very special event coming up July 30th 2023 the forbidden conscious awards we're going to honor people who have been contributing to the conscious community for decades people that you know and love that have helped you get to higher levels of thought and consciousness and awareness it's going to be a live in-person event but seats are going to sell out very fast you want to make sure you're there in person and guess what you can help vote for the winners voting is available on ForbiddenKnowledge.com. and the categories are going to be social media influencer podcast slash radio host TV host, actor, director, producer, entrepreneurs, health and wellness, philanthropists, authors, field researchers, archaeologists, space anomaly hunters, and of course, a lifetime achievement award. I'll be your keynote speaker that night at the Forbidden Conscious Awards. We have celebrity guests performing. We'll have a halftime show where we're actually going to perform music for you. And don't forget about the pre event mixer, where if you buy a box seat, you'll be in the VIP section and you also have private access to a vip mixture with celebrity guests shake hands break bread network and then walk the red carpet with us and take amazing photos it's going to be a night to remember you don't want to forget this make sure you hurry up and get your tickets because they're selling out very fast i want to see you there for Bid and conscious Awards 2023
0: river moon coffee makers of the fade to black blend truly the best coffee on planet earth Just visit rivermoonwellness.com or or their Amazon store. It's all simple to do. You can check out the Fade to Black Blend, the Game Changer Blend, or any of their Black Moon Wellness products. It's the only coffee I drink. It is the best. And it's Doc. Again, rivermoonwellness.com. All right, welcome back, Fade to Black. I am your host, Jimmy Church. Tonight, our guest, Matteo Palomir. And um, before you know, let's just get straight back to it. Um, I, I had some other things I wanted to say. The, the this show is too important, and also uh, so much fun. Um, there, okay. Before, who is a better drummer? Than John Bonham, I'm just saying. I did. Just, just, is he is he the drummer that all drummers doesn't matter the style, but aspire to be that freedom of rhythm? Who's a better drummer?
2: Well, that's subjective. But I'll tell you this: one of my favorite drummers of all time was Billy Cobham.
0: Yep, 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 yep.
2: My favorite. I hate to say it. I hope he doesn't hear this. Ainsley was my second favorite rock drummer because my favorite was Carl Palmer, Emerson Lacan Palmer.
0: Really? Carl Palmer? Really? Yeah. Okay. I saw him
2: in concert back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Me too. And and he had these big gongs and he had this whole thing and and he was doing a drum solo. Yeah. And the whole stage turned completely upside down.
0: Carl. I saw saw ELP twice. Um, Carl uh is somebody, a very interesting point, Carl is not mentioned like he should be, and that's 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 a weird thing, and I I don't understand why. But back in the day, ELP, whew, man, brain salad surgery, oh man. yeah, right, and um, yeah, but but Carl doesn't get that recognition that he should. But it's it's a strange thing for me about uh, John Bonham. If you look at somebody like uh, Eddie Van Halen. Right. Where mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a country guitar player, if you're a classical guitar player, if you play the banjo, or if you're in a big hair rock band, it doesn't matter. Everybody wanted to be free like Eddie was. Right. I'm mm-hmm. just, just if you could just put that element into your playing whatever it is it doesn't matter right and 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 I think Bonham inspired a lot of drummers in the in the very same way that it's like if, if you're gonna ask a drummer who they look up to you know and so I'm just yeah. wondering is is there something else but Carl Palmer's an interesting point yeah yeah that's yeah
2: very but, you know when they, those guys played, you saw them. They, everything was just so precise, like bang, 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 just three like Three
0: dudes, that. three dudes. I know, and
2: it's like an orchestra, right?
0: Yeah, three dudes, three dudes.
2: And then my other, just to mention, my other favorite is Keith Moon.
0: Yeah, Keith. Yeah, you know Keith. I didn't, I didn't appreciate Keith until later in life. Mm. And and I, I I carry that guilt, man. I carry the weight <laughs> of that. I, I do. I did you know what I did the same thing with? And I carry this guilt? Mm. I did that with Neil Young. Oh. I never appreciated Neil Young. Today, Neil Young will make me cry. It'll make me cry. <laughs> it's like how did I how did I ignore this? How did how did I allow myself uh, to to not appreciate? Uh, but I just didn't do it. I didn't do it. Not until yeah. later in life. Keith Moon today, I blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, blows my mind. Um, Mr. Now-
2: Phils, man, he puts Phils in where you didn't think it a Phil could be, and he's just like.
0: I, I, I always thought always, he was, was. Yeah, I always thought he was reckless and careless and w- was untechnical and 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 today I realize that he was the opposite of all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but you know uh, that's that's what you get. You get older, you get a little wiser, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about uh, two things yes, uh, really quick. I when I hear um, and I've had many. Conversations both on air and off uh mm-hmm. with friends of mine that I have the greatest respect for and when I discuss in interest uh, we have these long conversations about the ceremony, I always hear feminine and goddess i yes. never I've never heard a masculine side of things. And it has repeated itself over and over again. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that?
2: In in the lore of the jungle, ayahuasca is considered to be the mother of all the other plants. So it's it's called the mother. In shamanism, um, cosmology, the sun is male and the earth is feminine, and the sun. Life as we know it on the earth would not be possible without the sun. And if the earth wasn't there to receive it, it wouldn't be possible either. And one of the things that really fascinated me is that so when I when I go into the Peruvian Amazon, I'm I'm not very far from the equator. And when you think about the equator, the equator is the place where the sun strikes the earth the most of anywhere. And that's where you have the greatest densest most varied Life forms anywhere is there. It's the most intense there, and of course, the further you go to the equator, and you know, you head up to the poles there. Other than all this global warming and stuff that's going on, but you know, you go to the you go to the to the poles, and it's frigid. It's cold. There's not much life there at all. So I've always found it fascinating that where the where the sun strikes the earth the most is where the greatest density of life is, and also happens to be where ayahuasca thrives. So I find that interesting. And in, 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 in the, the lore, Quechua, pre-Inca, and in the jungle, um, Madre Tierra, Mother Earth, is Pachamama, and the uh, Father Sky Sun is Pachatata. And they go hand in hand. And just like I was talking about with, you know, you can't have the light without the dark, and this and that, um, they work together. And when they come together, that's where life thrives. That's where we live. And if they didn't do that, it wouldn't happen so in in many respects, even though the jungle can be very savage and you know predators and things like that and there are and there are certainly male and female energies, like the biggest one is uh the jaguar, which they call Otorongo otorongo is is the king of the jungle he rules uh, he he's the he's the top of the food chain he's the top predator um And that's a big male energy and there are lots of male energies, they're all in there, but it's all within with you know, held within the within the nurturing cup of of Mother Earth where life begins, where where life nurtures, you know. Male comes in, boom, and affects that, but if you don't have the womb, if you don't have that place for it to nurture and grow, it's not gonna happen. So the feminine is a big thing. And, of course, that's I mentioned earlier that ayahuasca is considered in archetypal terms to be the dark feminine. So it's a tough mommy. She don't mess around. Mommy will spank if you need to be spanked, you know, like that. So it has to do with the whole lore of, you know, of growing in indigenous cultures and how, you know, they have to pay lot of attention to the seasons and the weather and the snow uh, i mean the rain and the sun and all the things that make plants grow are a very important part of their cultures
0: when i uh, was a kid i was i was 14 and i moved uh my father was in the army band and mm. we uh, uh we moved to panama right central mm. america and we uh, lived in this little town when we first got there with temporary housing called Coakley. Mm-hmm. And you can find it. You can look at Panama. You can look at the map. And right in the middle of the jungle. Now, earlier that morning, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm in like Indianapolis or Chicago, right? That night. I'm in a third world country in the jungle, right? For the first time, holy crap! And my bedroom uh, the, the, uh, was up against uh, okay, so floor to ceiling screens, no glass, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> floor to ceiling screens, and I'm in bed, and my and which are right at the edge of the jungle, and I'm lying there listening. Mm. Listening to that stuff that goes down at night in the jungle. And let me tell you, it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. I love it. I mean you 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 hear it all, man. You hear death, yeah. yep. you, you hear survival, you hear mm-hmm. running, you hear screaming, <laughs> you hear this and it's all going on. And I'm just like, what uh, it was an eye-opening experience where um, you realize very, very quickly that us humans we're just along for the ride. There's, yeah. a, there's a whole other thing going on out there, and and mm-hmm. and, and nature is in control.
2: Mm-hmm. I I always like to say that when you go into the jungle and you do, and when you do this ten-day ayahuasca plant dieta. It's not just ayahuasca. You're working with a number of other plants in conjunction with it. And you really become the jungle. You become one with the jungle. And I like to say you get to visit the jungle from the inside out. Now, in in indigenous traditions going way back, if they were going to have a hunt or go to war with another tribe or anything like that, they would do an ayahuasca ceremony first. And and, uh, I always like to use the jaguar as an example. If they're going to go hunt the jaguar, They're going to do an ayahuasca ceremony, and they're going to hunt it in spirit first. Now, one of the things that happens when you you do this dieta, there's no soap, no shampoo, no scents of any kind, no toothpaste. It's a very bland and restricted diet. No salt for 10 days. You get either oatmeal, quinoa, or rice boiled. And then sometimes chicken or fish and baked or boiled plantanos, the bananas that aren't ripe. That's it for for 10 days.
0: I could do it. And it. it's, I, no, could, I could yeah. do it, I could do it, I could do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you, you you, begin, your human smells start to disappear. Now, jaguars have a highly refined sense of smell. They're, it's like something like 500 times that of humans. They can smell things way off. It's a big thing. And you know, they're, they're primarily night predators, right? Right, right. So when you do the dieta and you purify yourself, which is considered a purification, and you lose your human smells... And you begin to smell like the plants, then in some respects, you're invisible to the jaguars. And I I came home years ago, I came home and my girlfriend at the time said, You smell like the jungle. And I said, Baby, I am the jungle.
0: (laughs) And and now, and here is another point that. Uh, there has to be a connection and the connection is this again you hear about the experiences and the repetition of things where i'm connecting the dots mm-hmm. is you hear about and certainly this goes back to terence mckenna in a big way for sure uh, his uh research but uh, the geometry uh, the mathematics, mm-hmm. the astronomy, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, uh, get into. Uh, I have examples of it here: Fibonacci and, and nature and and, and things. So you you hear about all of this, and then you look at the. Uh, megalithic structures, and you Mm -hmm. look at the walls of Cusco, and you look at the Mm -hmm. H blocks in Pumapunku, you look at Mm -hmm. uh, the Naskin lines, uh, for instance, and and, and there's this connection with geometry, engineering, Mm -hmm. and mathematics Mm -hmm. that you wonder how it was achieved. Mm -hmm. Is this a part of it? Why the connection of geometry, mathematics, and engineering with plant medicines?
2: Dude, you just hit the nail on the head big time. So I always like to say that everything I learned about sacred geometry, I learned from ayahuasca. And then I went and read the other books. I, the first book I wrote, I wrote with a tennis pro. It's called The Infinity Zone. Uh, it's The Infinity Zone, A Transcendent Approach to Peak Performance. And it took first place in the, in the International Book Awards. Um for a uh, sort of spirituality. And then my most recent one I mentioned earlier, holographic cosmic man, ties in with the fact that the, the golden mean, which is the basis of sacred geometry and the basis of the Fibonacci spiral and so many other things, is actually the perfect mathematical representation of a hologram. And so, uh, as I mentioned, I went in that book, for, I went all the way from quantum physics up to cosmos. And one of the amazing about all the amazing things about holograms is you can take a hologram and you can break it into a bunch of pieces and the whole is contained within each individual piece. So um, it, there's, a, there's an expression it will come to me in a minute, but um, it's, it's all, everything is within everything else. And when you really look at the big picture, starting from quantum physics, going all the way out to the cosmos, which I really got into in depth with this book, it's all there in front of you, and it all goes back to the golden mean. And when you start to see it, first first you see it in your visions. And you have these wonderful geometric expressions and expansions and, and all of these things. And then you start to see it in plants and animals, and even in the human body. Like, you may know this or not, but if you look at your, your finger from this part to that section, that's the golden mean. From that section to the next section is the golden mean, 1.618 Phi. Your belly button is the golden mean, right? Our whole face follows geometry. And there is, in, um, in Egypt, in Luxor, the temple of man is an exact, it's a precise mathematical representation of the human body. And they say that it's a, not only a map of the human body, but a map of the cosmos. And every arch, every piece of art, everything in there is exactly, precisely following the golden mean and Sacred Geometry. And, uh, and a gentleman did a wonderful series of books, big set, Schwallow de Lubitz.
0: Oh, yeah. He was a Frenchman. I have him.
2: Okay, so you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I
0: do. I do. I do. I've...
2: <laughs> it's amazing, right? So so th- that, that Temple of Anthropocosmic Man, I stole from that and invented my own word, holographic cosmic man. And I was just taking modern-day... Things and tying it back to the ancient um, beliefs that are shown, because in my humble opinion, mathematics is a universal language.
0: The, the um, th- th- here's there's another similar thing going on here, um, and it's this: when you look at Luxor, and I just got back from Luxor. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to be I'll, I'll be back in. Uh, I'm going back in a couple of months. Um, oh, when you look at the Temple of Luxor from above, mm-hmm. it's it's a person, right? Yes, and exactly. and the only way to do that, it is such a ginormous temple, it's mm-hmm. frigging huge, and it's right in the middle of the city of Luxor. By the way, the city surrounds it, and it oh, it's, it's it's pretty right. cool how. It's, it's 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 part of the culture there. It's yeah, it's a tourist thing, but the city comes out at night. The people that live there and they have festivals in the park right next. It's 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 amazing thing to see. But anyway, oh, wow. how it's so big when you're walking by the giant pillars and these things that are you know four or five six stories tall, you don't have a vision of how the temple is laid out. But you look at it from the sky and whoa it's the mm-hmm. same thing throughout the world it's in the mm-hmm. the Mayan temples it's it's in uh the, the Nazca lines are a classic exactly. example of yeah. that where you couldn't cop a view unless you were up in the sky yeah. so it's it's either it's 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 some type of astral out of body projection and you're and you're doing this. Or you're on a ship, <laughs> you know, E.T. E. is visiting, I don't know. But, Hell yeah. but it was, I, yeah, totally, totally. Um, but it was happening with different cultures around the world. You could only see yeah. the stuff from the air.
2: You know, that, that, that was one of the things that drew me deeply into shamanism, is Korean shamanism, Siberian shamanism, South American shamanism, they all have a lot of the same symbolisms and and they even dress the same frequently. They, they all have that, the same basic core set of beliefs. They all do. And it's, and it's, and it's very universal. And what what really got me going way back is I took an honors course in anthropology. It was called um, a forest of symbols orientation and meaning to South American Indian religions and remote Indian tribes who had not had contact with the Western world had the myth of the flood, like Noah's Ark. And just about every culture in the world has a myth of the flood. And I found that fascinating that they all shared the same roots. And of course, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Joseph Campbell's outstanding work, you know, the, The Hero's Journey. It's a big thing with me because I'm a writer and I teach writing. But the whole idea that the, all those common things, regardless of the different cultures that are throughout the world and the different environments, all have those same archetypal elements, I find very much fascinating. And one of the things that has happened to me working so much with ayahuasca over the years is I've worked through the majority of my own deep stuff that I know of. But oftentimes I tap into what I, what I like to refer to as the collective, You know, we have the collective. I mean, we all have our own basic fears and all those things that are going on in the world. And we have universal, you know, fears of life and death and all of those things. And I've been, I tapped over time more and more into the collective to see what the whole, our whole race is, is, you know, having in their psyches. Ties in with the whole uh, agreed upon psychological landscape of, of, you know, the crystal castles and all those things like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I so want to ask about the crystal castles, but um, life is nothing but a series of corrections. And, you know, once you accept that, that you're not perfect, right? <laughs> that you're not the master of anything, and, you know, and try to find something every single day and, and improve on, on self. Um and, and, and that's that's how we grow. Right. Well mm-hmm. with with the ceremony, do you go into the ceremony now knowing that you've done so much shadow work and things that you let the ceremony you let the mother uh That was the mother right there made me sneeze <laughs> Right there, she's like, "Don't ask, don't do it, don't nah. do it, don't do, it. Don't do, it. Don't do it. Um, is it." it? Do you do you do you surrender, or do you go in with something in mind that you want to work on?
2: Well, so when people come to it, um, I've I've led ceremonies for many years. Probably, I always have to think about this. Maybe seventeen years I've led ceremonies, and um. People have their intentions, but in the lore of the jungle, what they say is that ayahuasca is the river, and the music and the songs, which are the Icaros, are the boats that carry you along the river. So when I'm there in charge, I'm I'm fully aware of everybody in the room, and I'm tuning into them, and the the people that I work with, we're tuned in and we feel the energy and we get a sense of it. If it starts to get too wild, we'll play music that will bring it down. If we feel it coming down too much, we'll play music that cranks it up. It's like being an orchestra conductor. Sure. But because I've done so much work on myself, when people go through traumas, I know what they're going through. And I always tell people, before anybody could even come to sun anything i've ever done and technically speaking it's it's in the jungle um i do a very very thorough screening i have layers of screening and i turn away a lot of people because it's it's not for everybody if you're if you're on like antidepressants or you're doing anything like cocaine or mdma you're you're it's dangerous no place for it
0: oh you just dropped out Mateo, if you can hear me, you just froze. Okay. Um Mateo, let's see if Mateo comes back. Let me Oh, oh you're um, back. Uh, you're back. Okay, you froze. Yeah. You oh, froze. okay. See that that, anyway. that was mother. I'm I'm telling you. I'm oh, yeah. telling What about uh, okay. Now I understand an in an instability. A situation where it could be dangerous. What mm-hmm. about somebody, somebody like me, somebody mm-hmm. that's that's cocky, self assertive just like me. Yeah, self-assured. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, A A personality. You know, huh? I got this. You know, stand uh-huh. back and watch. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What about that? Uh, I I am the perfect candidate, right? Would I be high long, on the list? I wouldn't get rejected.
2: No, as long as you're not caught up and you're not doing some things that um you know, like like for argument's sake, like if you know, if you were an alcoholic, you might not be. If you love cocaine, you wouldn't be. Right. Part of the ayahuasca thing is that um, you you have ayahuasca vine and then you have shakruna so, chacruna is a bush Psychotria viridis, which contains the DMT. And the ayahuasca is Banisteriopsis copy. You can eat the the chacruna uh, uh, all day, and you won't. Nothing will happen. It's the mixture of the two part of the magic. The uh, ayahuasca vine has the MAO inhibitors, the beta-carbolines that are MAO inhibitors that allow the DMT in the chacruna to become orally active. So one of the things that happens in the course of the ceremony is you dump a lot of serotonin. Now, when you purge, many people purge, they're they're puking or it's coming out both ends. Oftentimes, it's connected with trauma. It's the trauma, they're suddenly confronted with something they've been denying or haven't seen and (laughs) it comes out energetically like that. But it's also the body's way. Of venting excessive serotonin, so it keeps you from having any serotonin poisoning or
0: serotonin overload. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, so if you're somebody, for argument's sake, who take who's taking MDMA or some other thing, if you're on antidepressants, which is a big no no. Okay, primarily antidepressants working uh, SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and what that does is it when you normally when you release serotonin, it goes out and it makes you feel good and all that. And then it it gets recycled or or thrown out and new stuff comes in. But the SSRIs keep it between the synapses. So you're always kind of high on serotonin, which makes you feel good. But if you're already in that space and you're already high on serotonin, and then you take ayahuasca, which dumps more serotonin, you can go into convulsions and you can die. Right. So it's nothing to be messed with. You got to go in and, you know, I'll talk to people and I'll say to them, you know, why do you want to do this? You know, and if I hear anything like, oh, I just want to hide. I want to get party. I'm like, you're out. I don't want to hear it. Because this stuff demands the ultimate respect. You got to respect mommy or mommy will spank you big time. So you got to go in with the right intention, with the respect. And, And when I went in initially, as I mentioned, I had researched it for 10 years before I found it. So I already knew a lot about it from what I read in books, but it still doesn't even come close to having that direct experience there's nothing like it but I had that background and when they when they realized that I was very serious about my approach toward it and all that they let me in and then I got to grow with it and and then as time has gone on and as I mentioned my mentors are passing and all that and now I'm carrying the torch because otherwise that tradition is going to be lost
0: yeah yeah exactly um uh, I, can I can I ask you a couple of questions about Terence McKenna
2: Okay. Dude, I'm an open book. Ask me anything you want.
0: Okay. Um, when when Terrence spoke, right, and I listened. I've I've read the books, but it was his speaking voice and the way that he spoke. Uh, he got my attention. The intelligence level and the the visionary level was mm-hmm. just you had to just just listen and focus. Mm-hmm. And and then. I think that when he – this is where I need your opinion. Sure. I think once he started to find things out and his mind, he was so smart that he might have taken things too far and he didn't pull back. Um, and why do you think that was with Terrence? Was it just the quest for knowledge and trying to make sense of something that may be impossible to do. You can't get to infinity. Fibonacci, Mm-mm. right? The golden, it, it, all of this goes on forever in both directions, yeah. by the way, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it goes. It exactly. Goes, um, and so it was, was did, did Terrence just, just take it one step too far? Oh, you froze again.
2: Yeah, we're back now. Okay. I know. So, so I, I, um, I think I heard enough to tell you.
0: <laughs> stop it, mother. Yeah, yeah right, um, <laughs> right, right, right.
2: To, toward the latter part of his life, Terrence wasn't doing much of anything anymore. And part of that had to do with the fact that being Terrence McKenna got out of control. Just like you and I were talking about earlier, where now these young kids, they're, 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 let's go blow our brains with DMT, and let's do this and do that, and then then all that stuff. It's just out of control. And I think that the the legend of Terrence McKenna, so to speak, took on a life of its own, and it started getting out of control. Right. And it, it was kind of going off the rails. I, like I said, I got to be friends with him because, you know, he had that literary bent. He really liked my writing. And um, my first published novel was called Land Without Evil. It was about first contact between the Jesuits and the Indians in South America, but it was told from the Indians' point of view. And Terrence, I knew he was getting ready to check out. He got the absolute very first copy of that from the very first printing, and it may very well have been the last book he ever read. I'll never know for sure. But um, it, it got out of control just like it is now back then almost as a microcosm of what we're seeing now where things people are irresponsible and you know not a good thing it's it's the the cats out of the bag the inmates are running the asylum (laughs) and i think that had a lot to do with them pulling back from that but of course by then it really did have a life of its own and you can't control what other people are doing um it's just like i'm just using this as an example but you know Jesus Christ was a healer and all that, and he did his thing. But then, you know, they wrote the stories, and then the Bible, and then the people followed, and then there was Christianity, and then there was, you know, there was the Inquisition. I mean, it just totally took on a life of its own, which, in the end, really lost a lot of his original messages of things, what he was trying to say. You know, it just splintered off. And I'm just using him as an example. I can go, I can find any any religious leader. Sure,
0: sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, yeah. he, he, I, I, I would have, I, I would have done anything to, to in, when he was in the moment at, <laughs> he saw something at one point that took control where suddenly, you know, you, you hear it all the time. Okay. Uh, so what's the, what's, what's the meaning of life? What's the key to the universe? what it, And he saw it right mm-hmm. he saw a glimpse of it and and that was it man uh it was pedal to the metal he and i would love to know what and the conversations that he has had in the books that he has written on the i ching and 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 that moment of enlightenment uh for him went, you know what i mean and it just all went i'm mm-hmm. just wondering what he saw or what he was told um and only he knows
2: that's right. Uh, one thing I'll tell you for sure that, that I've learned from ayahuasca and the plant medicines is that this stuff is way bigger than us. For sure. We, we really are literally dust in the wind. And when you start to realize it and you're suddenly confronted and terrified and in, and in complete awe, awe in the greatest sense of the word of awe, of the massive power of this thing or things this cosmos that's way bigger than you are, and how in the big picture, how insignificant we really are. Yet, here we are at the eye of the storm, whether we like it or not. You know, I always, I, I love to mess with atheists from time to time, because I tell them, if, if you're an atheist, I got a lot of respect for atheists, truly, because they're basically not buying into all the religious stuff. But anyway, I'll tell atheists, you have just admitted that you're God. And they were like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, think about it. You made the ultimate call that there's no God. So if you cease to exist, you suddenly cease to exist. God doesn't exist. You made the call. So you're admitting you're God.
0: Ace, atheists. A- some spinning. Yeah, atheists are, I mess with them for sport. I do. Yeah. I do. It's way too easy. It's it's way too easy. Um, Them and. And vegans, oh, I mess with vegans so hard. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, <laughs> oh man, how to divide my audience with one thing? I just did it right there. there. That's it, church. I'm checking out. I'm never coming back. You can't. That's it. That's it. I'm done. Um, that. <laughs> Oh man. Um th- there was uh, uh, uh another point that I wanted to get back to though. Mm-hmm. And and that is uh when we talk about we a little bit about uh, you know the golden ratio and and Fibonacci mm-hmm. and I, our audience is quite familiar with that and the infinity of it all and you said it earlier and it's such an important point that you, you we You, I, us, have the ability to think about the smallest of the small, quantum physics, right? The smallest Mm -hmm. of the small to the biggest of the big, the universe, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, do animals have that capacity? And I often wonder about that where you can't really discount, because if we say something like that out loud... You're going to have some animal somewhere, some monkey is sitting there going, dude, I understand everything you're saying, right? And, and, and I, how do we have that capacity, and is that capacity universal? It's
2: um, one of the things I want to really quick because it's been bouncing in on my head. Uh, one of the things that we've been talking about here is the implicate order and the explicate order going in. And going on. I always like to say, if you go far enough in, you're heading out. And if you go far enough out, you're heading in. But one of the things I believe in my experience with ayahuasca is having the perception of animals. Right. So right, right. way back, um, I was in a ceremony and uh, in the jungle and all of a sudden my legs, my legs were crossed and they started flapping. And I started seeing mountains, and, 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 I was, and I was a butterfly for a little bit. And then I became a big bird, but I didn't know what it was. And I was flying through the mountains, and I was having the time of my life, and my legs were flapping, and they were flapping on their own. it was no volition on my part, and it was really exquisite. And so the next day, I was trying to figure it out. And the mentor to the shamans that I was working with, he was their mentor. And I, and I said, Guillermo, ¿qué es la abuela? You know, what, what was flying? And he gives me this big smile and he goes, el condor. And when he said it, I went, boom, I was the condor. And I was seeing as a condor in my visions. Now, again, radical subjectivity. You could say, oh, well, you, you, you know, you I'm sorry, you drank ayahuasca, you know, you were hallucinating, whatever. But I was experiencing being a condor. Many years later, I was in a ceremony and my legs started going. And then all of a sudden, they started going a mile a minute. I mean, really fast. And my body started doing this. And if I didn't have the experience I had, I would have totally freaked out. But I went with it. And my visions went into high frequency, beautiful pastel colors. And it just, it was just, I was in heaven. It was just, it was exquisite. And, and I was going like that, you know, for a bit. The next morning, when we were integrating, one of my bros came in and he said, I knew. It was going to be a powerful ceremony because right before the ceremony started, a hummingbird came up and got right in my face. And right when he said that, I flashed on that I was a hummingbird. And in the exact same moment, my girlfriend who was with with me said, you were the hummingbird. It all happened like at the same time. And it was a beautiful thing. And now in shamanism or whatever you want to call it, hummingbird is my primary totem. And many people in those communities refer to me as Picaflor, which is hummingbird.
0: I have hummingbird feeders in the front and back of my house.
2: Right on. Good man.
0: Let me tell you something, okay? Um, You're a Southie, right? (laughs) Yeah. So you'll understand this. I'll punch somebody in the throat, okay? Mm. I will. Don't don't mess with my family, right, (laughs) or my feet or whatever. But I love hummingbirds, man. I, I don't I, I can be the most rough. I drive a Jeep. Man, I'm I'm hardcore. Mm. I'm a i am i am hardcore i am I love Judas Priest. Pantera. There you go. But I love hummingbirds. And I You my sit, man. I I, sit whole, I got
2: them, I got them in the windows. I got stained glass ones. I got them everywhere people give me with them.
0: I have hummingbird etched glass windows on my front doors. And so mm. I I sit and and watch the hummingbird. You know what's even funner than that? The Hummingbird Wars. Those dudes are oh, territory. Yeah. They are ter- they the gangsta man. The gangsta. Yep. I love it. I they're love. Tough. I love. The, I just there's just a- anyway. There was. I wanted to bring this up. Um, there was a video. Uh, it's. I'm sure there's many videos like this, but there was one that grabbed mm-hmm. me, and I watched it many times. And it was a a camera on the back of an eagle, Mm. and of the eagle flying. And then I found another one, the same thing of, I think it's a hawk. And this Mm. one was in the UK. And the video is like an hour long of, of, right, the birds flying around and just Uh doing their thing. So I'm watching, it, it's the most incredible, and you can see the cameras right in back of the head. So you can see the mm. bird looking around, as they're just cruising, dude, right? They're, they're <laughs> men, you know, they're doing their thing. And you could, you're watching the video, and you're like, wow, that's interesting. And just as you're looking at that, the eagle looks too, or the hawk, and you can see them having the best time anyway, I felt like I... That was something that I have done. There was a connection there. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not so sure. It was so natural to watch the video Mm -hmm. that I felt exactly what you were saying earlier. You know, that you you, you are in the eyeballs, right, of the condor. Um, yes, it, it, it's 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 a very strange uh, feeling to have, and I know I know I sound all all hippy dippy, but I oh, look just... who you talking to, bro. Yeah, I know. right, right, right. But <laughs> uh, yeah, those videos uh, they absolutely stirred me, hundred yeah, percent.
2: Yeah, In in the lore of the jungle, um, when you communicate and connect with an animal familiar and share the vibration then what they say is that you're seeing through the animal's eyes, and the animal is also seeing through your eyes, and you're teaching each other, and you're, you're, you're together uh, sharing that. You could say in, in, in the jungle terms, you're sharing that spirit. You're sharing that energy. You're both at that same character, character, uh, carrier frequency. And I always like to tell people, in my experience, you don't choose your totems. They choose you. Um, and And I feel very lucky I was with Condor for five or six years before hummingbird came hmm. and now when i 'm in ceremony sometimes and i 'm really flying um, the sweet music starts to play, and they love the music they love the they love the flutes and the sweet music, and they come, and my legs start to go on their own, and my vision start to shift like that and it 's a beautiful
0: thing yeah, it is it is um the yeah. jungle is just so powerful and until you 've experienced it i was I was with a group of friends. And I was probably 14, 15 years old and we're, we're in the jungle, right? We're walking and we're talking louder and louder and, and almost screaming. I was like, dude, we're yelling at each other. And my friend turns to me and he goes, it's the ants. Mm. I go, what? He goes, listen, those are ants. and then I heard, which is why we're yelling at each other because we're trying to talk over the din of the jungle, right? Mm-hmm. And and and, so, and I go, what? So we like turn, and he goes, come here, check it out, and he points down at this ant trail. It's this wide, right? Oh, wow. going through the jungle, it's a highway. Of ten trillion billion ants <laughs> and passing, yeah. passing each other and this just the noise and, and you have to step back and go, I am so insignificant. Right? At at this moment, this power, this volume, and they're all on a mission. <laughs> they're all mm-hmm. they're all working together. It was it was a it was just a very very powerful moment for me and and how insignificant you you can be in in the middle of the jungle the jungle is a force
2: you bet and you do realize that it's way bigger than you are there there's a there's an expression in shamanism called whistling through the forest and and basically the concept is that when you go into the jungle you're basically saying look i know i'm in your hood And I know I'm acknowledging you and I'm respecting you. And I know that you can kill me or you can heal me. And I'm acknowledging you and I'm telling you that I'm respecting you and I would like you to heal me instead of kill me. And I'm acknowledging that. And that's a big part of shamanic traditions of living in the jungle, you know, in balance with nature the way everything else does. And when you talk about the ants like that, and you think about the collective intelligence of like bees, in in shamanism, particularly I mean all of it, but in American Indian shamanism, like for, for an example, they don't say the bear. They say bear. Well, they don't say the coyote, they say coyote, because they look at the collective spirit as almost like one being. And they work together, you know, we've all seen it. They they, they hunt in packs, they the bees communicate with their buzzing dances and and they you know, they communicate uh where the pollen is and where the nectar is and all that kind of a thing by different modes. And then, and, and in bees and in ants too, you know, um, different ants have different, there are the soldier ants, and there's the ones that nurture the Queens, you know, and there's one that feed and ones that clean up. Everybody has their job and they're all part of the collective. And then if you think about taking that concept and expanding it exponentially, that's what's going on with us as humans. You know, we have the bacteria in our gut that keeps us alive and, you know, we have skin cells and we have liver cells and heart cells, and they've all given up their individuality—be individual. Bleh, get my mirths all waked up there. Their individuality to serve the whole, and it makes them, in many respects, more individual, because everybody does their part.
0: Um, I I usually try to ask every guest, doesn't matter their background, uh, this question, mm-hmm. and uh, you're perfect for it. But I <laughs> I ask this question just about on every show. Uh, which is, does consciousness exist in the physical, or is it not physical?
2: Funny you should ask that, because my newest book, which is going to be out in uh, probably November, I just finished recording the audio book, is called I Am Consciousness Incarnate.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: And part of it is the fact that it, it, it says, it's sort of first person, but it says, I am consciousness and you cannot define me because I am, I am definition itself. And I am here inside of you interpreting, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm interpreting reality from here inside of you to make sense of the reality. But I'm also in the plants, I'm in the animals. I'm inside of you. I'm outside of you. There's the whole concept of uh, a priori, which means, you know, you have a concept in your mind. You have a concept of a table and then you look outside of yourself and there's a table and that table outside of you resonates with the table inside of you and you go, oh, that's a table, right? So I believe it's everywhere and I believe it's um, it's a big, big ocean that's way bigger than we are.
0: So and it exists fact, outside of the physical.
2: Yeah, it is the physical.
0: Well but 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 this is okay, so here's the conundrum. Uh-huh. At least the conundrum that I have.
1: I those, love
0: the yeah, Those liver cells thought experiment yeah. and, and the heart cells and the skin cells that you're talking about. Yeah. They're not conscious.
2: But it, if they weren't conscious but, they wouldn't function. They is, have to know the the liver cell has to know I, how to, to, to filter the blood.
0: That's um, is it that that, has to
2: communicate is, with everything else, or everything shuts down.
0: Is that the the DNA though? Is well, that,
2: some the, would say that the DNA would be the, the map of consciousness, or the program of consciousness, or or how the direction, the map, the road map, or the model of this is what you need to follow. But if, if, my, uh, if my eyeballs suddenly decided to be a liver cell, I would croak. It wouldn't work right. Right. So they have to have an awareness of their immediate environment, and they have to interact with it, and they have to do things in order to stay viable, whether it's getting nutrients or whether it's, you know, passing, uh, you know, lipids through the cell wall or getting rid of or keeping the mitochondria happy, every little thing consciousness can be big and consciousness can be small it doesn't it, it, it it's it's a bit of everywhere and it interacts with everything else and if you if it doesn't interact if consciousness does not interact with its environment it won't survive and it will be inanimate and there are even shamanic traditions that say that even rocks are conscious right but I, but you know but i always like to think of life in and of itself as consciousness even if it's a gnat A gnat has to do what it needs to do in order to survive. So it needs to know it's it's not going to eat the wrong things. Um, uh, A dog's not going to eat rocks, or the dog's going to die. So a, a dog has to have awareness enough to know what's good for it in order for it to eat, in order to stay alive and viable. And every species, from insects, everything, plants, animals, they have to interact with their environment in a way in order to survive that takes awareness and awareness in my humble opinion, awareness and consciousness are one and the same. And, um, and there are some, I tend to believe this. I read this some years back that even the air that we breathe is spirit. And if you think that we live in a spiritual world, so to speak, and, and, you know, with spirit, well, you're breathing in and breathing it out. And if that stops, you're dead. Right. So, Awareness has to do with surviving within your environment, and, and that's what it takes to survive, and, and awareness is consciousness. It doesn't always have to be this big, you know, cosmic consciousness, but everything works together. And one of the wonderful things I love about the jungle that I learned in the jungle is you'll have a bug, and then maybe a lizard will eat a bug, and then a bigger lizard will eat that lizard, and then maybe a jaguar eats that lizard or something else eats it. And everything eats everything else. And then the, the biggest one at the top of the food chain dies. And then all the bugs eat him. Right? Right. And then he decomposes and he goes to the plants. And then the plants eat what's left of him. And then the other animals come and eat from the plants. And, and my point is that everything works together. as a, It's like a symphony. It's a beautiful symphony. And when it's all working and in balance, you have predator and prey. And you have food sources. And you have, you know... Other things. And when things get out of control, maybe the predator, um, the, the, the the predators will rise up more in order to get things back into balance. Because in my experience, nature always seeks balance.
0: Well, and, I think I, one... I, I, and then you have uh, Rush 2112, right? Quoting Shakespeare, and the meek shall inherit the earth, right? Yeah so you have that part too um uh you you do shaman speak well and i often wonder because you have the balance of the universe you have mm-hmm. ones and zeros you have computers you have black and white you have yin and ying, all of the, the the this thing right okay but the mm-hmm. shaman speak cracks me up to go left you must first go right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, to I, to go up, you must first go down.
2: Yeah, I yeah. always say if you go, even politically speaking, if you go far enough right, you end up left, and if you go far yeah, exactly. enough left, you end up right. Because you will become what you hate.
0: I love, <laughs> I love that part of it. Uh, where can everybody reach out to you and 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 find your stuff?
2: Yeah, thank you. So if you, they Google my name. They'll find my website, mattpalomary.com, and, and you have it on your website. I do. So um, M-A-T-T-P-A-L-L-A-M-A-R-Y.com. That's the first thing that comes up if you Google my name. And then my books are on uh, Mystic, Inc. Publishing, M-Y-S-T-I-C-I-N-K-P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-N-G.com. My books are there, and they're also all on Amazon. They can be found on there. If they go to my website and they go to the landing page, there's a contact form there, and if they fill that out, it will email me, and I can communicate with people that way.
0: Do you um, uh, are you aware of? And the links are below. Everybody, we've got them on social media too, as well. Um, are are you aware of what's going to happen here in about ten hours in Washington DC? A
2: I'm a little bit, yeah, because I know you were talking about it, and some of my friends have been talking about it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's crazy, um, isn't it? Uh, can can the world handle it? What 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 possibly? I don't know. You know, I can't predict the future. I don't know what's going to be said tomorrow. But potentially, if we understand the press conferences that have been held in advance of of this, and some of the materials that are going to be presented, and who's going to be speaking, this is this is going to be a barn burner tomorrow. Can the world handle the you know disclosure and and UFOs and ET? Are well, we going to be okay?
2: Well, on one level, we don't have any choice. I mean, we're gonna have to deal with it one way or the other, just like all the other insanity that is going on and, and you know, all the all the stuff now with the with the you know the, the environmental disruption and all that, can we handle it? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, people go on and say, well, you know, oh my god, well, is the world gonna end? No, the world's not gonna end. We might end ourselves, but the world's gonna be there, unless it's you know, maybe a gazillion years from now the sun explodes. But just like that and some of the breakthroughs in technology we've had recently, I mean, look at how much the internet has changed everything. Two major newspapers I've been involved with within a day of each other have have shuttered their doors because print media is going away because of the internet, right? And the technological changes and all this paranoia about AI. And I'm I'm reading a book right now on genetics and all the genetic tweaking and stuff that's going on. We're getting into a lot of stuff that we We don't. We don't even know the consequences of, it. and we get into it before we even know the consequences of it, and it's going to go forward no matter what. So you got to do your best, in my humble opinion, to try to figure it all out and go with the flow that the best you can, and try to keep an open mind, and be ready because it's going to change us one way or the other, whether we like it or not. It just has to do with the evolution of how we are as a race and as a species.
0: Yeah, 2023 shaping up to be quite the year. Quite the the year. Mateo, thank you, man. And I look forward to our next conversation. And uh, uh, when when the book gets ready to release in November, uh, hit me back. I'll be back from Peru um, at the end of November. So that'd be a great time to uh, get back together and have a conversation.
2: Have, I really Jimmy, thanks for having me. This has really been a gas. It was fun. Um we got a lot of parallels. By the way, my old man was in the Navy big band too, so
0: Oh, is that right? He was in the Navy. Yeah, he was a
2: big band jazz drummer.
0: Ah. Uh my dad was band leader in in the Army band. And uh Yeah, he was
2: in World War II uh, on the USS California Navy Big Band.
0: So yeah. we had a
2: lot of parallels there, brother.
0: I'll talk to you. Behave and be well, right. Mateo. Thank you so much. You sure,
2: brother. Thanks again. Look forward to talking again, man.
0: Perfect show perfect show. Matteo Palomari. Now, uh, the links for Matteo are below and we've got them over on social media. And with that, that was a perfect show tonight. Thank you everybody for hanging out with us. You know what I am doing in a few short hours. I will be broadcasting live with uh, Christina Gomez and uh, we're going to kick off at 6.45 a.m. in the morning. So everybody, set your alarm clocks and I'll see you when we all get up. Fade to Black is produced by Hilton J. Palm, Renee Newman, and Michelle Freed. Thank you to Dennis and Kevin. Webmasters, Drew the Geek, Music, Doug Aldridge. Intro, Spaceboy, spaceboymusic.com. Fade to Black is produced by KJCR for the Game Changer Network, and this broadcast is owned and copyrighted. 2023 by Fade to Black and the Game Changer Network, Inc. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere in the known universe without written permission from fade to black of the Game Changer Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Church. I'll see everybody in the morning. Be safe. Go Beckley Tappy. Oh, we've got a number one deluxe meal. Is there anything else I can get you? Yeah, I'd also like a good night's sleep. Maybe something like the I didn't struggle all night with my uncomfortable CPAP mask. Sir, I think what you're looking for is Inspire. It's an implant that works inside your body to treat sleep apnea without a CPAP. Come on. He sounds hangry. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you. And review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for eight consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more.